February 3rd, 2006. We have two topics today. One, which was inspired by some uh, listener email, is how to get BSD. And following that, we'll have an interview with Richard Baitlick from Dow Security. So, how do you get BSD? If you want to... If you have a spare computer and you'd be interested in installing BSD, you need to get a hold of one of the BSD distributions. There's a variety of methods you can use to get it. One common way is to order some CDs online. If you do not have a high-speed connection, downloading a distribution can take a long time. So sometimes ordering them online is an effective way to get the distribution. There are a variety of websites out there that will sell you CDs. I'm not really going to recommend one or another. It's important just to choose one that's close to you. The CDs quite often are very inexpensive, but shipping can be quite expensive. So choose a what looks to be a reputable site near you, and you should be able to get the CDs pretty inexpensively. Also, certain BSD distributions sell their CDs directly as a way of supporting their version of BSD. So I would definitely recommend doing that if possible. Order directly from the distribution or order from a site which will contribute a certain amount of the proceeds to these projects. Most of these projects are funded by these types of donations. You can also quite often get other things such as t-shirts, posters, and other stuff that can help support these BSDs. Another way that you can often get BSD is at a bookstore. Many books on BSD come with CDs in them. Sometimes these CDs can be out of date, perhaps a version behind. Depends on how new the book is. But it's always a good, good way to start. Plus, you get a nice book to read in order to help you learn. Another way you could possibly get the CDs are from your local users group. Search online for a local Linux or BSD users group and quite often you can get CDs from these groups. They'll also hold the occasional install fest, which is a afternoon or morning set aside for people to carry their computers in, and these people will help you install the operating system on your spare computer. So that's a, a nice way to get over some of the hurdles if it's your first time. Another very common way is to download the CDs, and these are ISO images or ISO images. You can get them by downloading them from the links that are available to you on the different websites for each of the BSDs. You can download them over HTTP, which is usually done in your browser. You can also use an FTP program. Make sure when you're using HTTP or web downloads or FTP downloads that you choose a mirror that's close to you. Quite often the primary sites can be fairly slow because a lot of people are downloading from them. And the mirrors will not only be closer, but give you faster access. Another method you can use is something that's relatively new. It's known as BitTorrent. BitTorrent is a peer-to-peer technology. Peer-to-peer technology scares a lot of people because they think it's illegal, 
the technology itself, peer-to-peer, is not illegal. It is what you do with it. If you're using peer-to-peer technology to download uh, Hollywood movies, that's not necessarily the right thing to do. But for stuff that's free and designed to be distributed for free, such as the BSD operating systems, using this technology is a nice way to get it. Essentially what they do is, in a peer-to-peer swarm, like a BitTorrent, as people are downloading it, as they get pieces of these CDs, they make them available for others. So everyone's downloading little pieces from each other, and that can give you uh, a pretty fast download. You don't have to do anything that special to make BitTorrent work. You download the client, you find what's called a torrent tracker. Click on a link and it will start downloading. It can start off slow and then start to pick up steam. So uh, depending on your speeds and how many people are uh, seeding that tracker, you can get some pretty good throughput. I like FTP. FTP is an, was designed for transferring files and it supports a feature known as reget. Essentially, when you tell FTP to get a file, it just starts downloading ones and zeros. And you can stop it in the middle. And after you, afterwards, you can resume that download from where you left off. So if you do have an unreliable connection, I recommend FTP, which has the ability to reget, which essentially means pick up where I left off. Another thing you can do, uh, if you don't want to download the entire CD, which usually is 600 650 megabytes if it's only a single CD, although sometimes you can have multiple CDs. You can also get what's called a net install CD. Essentially, this is a small CD, which is just enough to start the installer program and bring up your network cards. But the CD itself does not contain all the packages you need to install the basic operating system. Instead, the installer will ask you which web or FTP mirrors you want to get the rest of the information from. These CDs are usually very small compared to the full install CDs. And if you're only installing a minimal system, they can be a nice way to get your operating systems. I usually do net installs. All right, uh, next we have an interview with Richard Baitlick from Dow Security. Today on BSD Talk, we're speaking with Richard Baitlick, who is the founder of Dow Security and also an author. And he recently gave a presentation at this year's ShmooCon. I guess I'd like to start off by asking you a little bit more about yourself, if there's any additional details you want to give the audience. Sure. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank uh, Will. Thank you for inviting me to speak today. Uh, I just did a podcast interview with... Uh, the guys over at Paul.com, and they were interested in, in security and things like that. We did a little uh, discussion of BSD, but for the most part, um, we, we spoke more about security issues. So um, while I'm not, de- I'm definitely not a, a BSD guru, I'm really just more like a user who, who enjoys using uh, FreeBSD mostly, I'd be happy to share with you my thoughts on it. Um, just to say a little bit about who I am, what I do, I'm the founder of a company called uh, Dow Security. That's uh, spelt with a T, T-A-O, security. And we provide network security monitoring, network forensics, network incident response, anything that has to do with security from the network side. And when I say network, I don't necessarily mean uh, enterprise or computer. I mean packet level, traffic level, infrastructure type activities. And we do some training. I have three classes that I'm currently offering. The first one is called Network Security Operations. And there are two more that will be uh, showing up on your radar screens this year 
Uh, one's called Network Stealth, and the other one is called TCP IP Weapon School. And I also do custom development of systems, nothing really fancy, just if, for example, a client comes to me and says, I'd like you to build certain types of sensors, um, I'll do that for them. And that's generally what I use BSD for. And speaking of building sensors, I guess that rolls into your talk at ShmooCon this year. I don't know if you want to tell us a little bit about that. Certainly. Yeah, I spoke at ShmooCon about, uh, and by the way, ShmooCon is a security conference that's held in the Washington, D.C. area. We had the first one last year, and this year, obviously, was the second. The purpose of my talk there was to uh, discuss a project, an open source project that I've been involved with called Squeal. Squeal is spelled S-G-U-I-L. It's uh, originally... Uh, software that was developed by Bam Vischer, and he continues to be the lead developer. It's a, a interfa or an inter interface for network security monitoring data. And when I say network security monitoring data, I'm referring to four types of data that aren't necessarily the traditional types of network data you might think of. For example, everyone knows the, about intrusion detection systems and the alerts that they create, but alerts are really only one form of network security monitoring data. There's also statistical data, which is sort of a high-level overview of what's happening on the network in terms of what protocols are being seen, bandwidth being used, time of activity, things like that. Uh, session data, which is a summary of conversations between two parties. So you might see that a host in Russia connects to your web server at 2 o'clock in the morning on Thursday uh, using certain services. They exchange a certain amount of information, so forth. And then finally, uh, full content data. And full content data is a record of the application data that was passed during a session. So typically that's something that you would collect with TCP dump in uh, the PCAP format or something like that. So what I tried to do was, in my talk was just introduce Squeal. Uh, it, it's been around for about three years now, but many people still continue to use alternative interfaces to, to uh, mainly alert data for snort, things like ACID or BASE, which I think are incredibly frustrating and do not meet the needs of anyone who's doing real serious intrusion detection work or network security monitoring work. And so I spoke for about half the time about Squeal and what it is and how to use it. And then uh, another member of the Squeal project named David Bianco uh, spoke regarding the Windows w WMF vulnerability that was released last month. And he showed how he had found activity related to that without having any signatures in place, simply using session data. So that's what I spoke about at ShmooCon. Great. And you also have a blog. I guess the Dow Security on Blogspot. Sure. Yeah, I started the blog when I was at uh, Foundstone. I started it in January of 2003, so it's it's a little over three years old now. And I, I, did, I absolutely detest bookmarks. So I, I don't like keeping track of what's been happening on either the internet or in the security world by making a bookmark because to me they're uh, they're generally not sorted it's a real pain and really the giant the giant problem I see with bookmarks is they lack context they show that you've been somewhere on the on the web but they don't say what you thought about whatever you were looking at so what I tried to do with my blog is instead of having bookmarks if I find something interesting I blog about it and I try not to blog about things that other people are talking about unless I can put a different spin on it or I have actually tried the tool that I'm going to discuss or that I've found. For example, many people will say, hey, there's been a new release of uh, you know, some tool like TCP extract or something like that. 
that's nice, but I'd like to see what it what it looks like, how it works. Does it compile on FreeBSD? Because that's the platform I would use it on. So what I do is I, when I see something interesting, I try it out, and then I record my experiences. And typically, I use it for my own reference because oftentimes I can't remember what I did several years ago or how I got something working. So, uh, for example, every time I, I I might rebuild a system, I might go back to my blog and say, yeah, how did I set up X or Y? And I go back there and I find it. And along the course of this last several years, people have found it to be helpful as well, both from the technical standpoint, I guess, where I discuss BSD-related issues, but also from the sort of the security side and my take on different things. Uh, for example, I got a huge spike in activity last summer uh, during Black Hat when Mike Lynn was uh, treated rather poorly, I thought, by, by both Cisco and ISS. So I got a lot of people listening to me there because I was following the, the activities pretty closely. I see you do have a lot of BSD-related stuff on your blog. seems like you're experimenting with some IP version 6 stuff on BSD and now most recently looking into Bluetooth on FreeBSD. Sure, yeah. The uh, IPv6 stuff is is particularly important to me. I just I review books for Amazon.com. I, I don't receive any financial compensation, but I, I have publishers sending me books. Um, so I've recently read and reviewed two books on IPv6. And when I say read and reviewed, I mean read and reviewed. I, I might not necessarily read every single word, but I do read the books to, just as a normal person would read the books. I'm definitely not one of these reviewers who gets a book, looks at the back cover, flips through the pages, and then writes five to ten reviews in one day and calls that a review. So it may take me a while to get through books, but you can be assured that when I review it, I've got some legs to stand on. So recently I reviewed two books on IPv6. One of them was an O'Reilly book called IPv6 Network Administration, and the second one was a book by A-Press called uh, Running IPv6. And both of them were just excellent. And while I don't necessarily look forward to IPv6 being implemented, I do find that at some point it's, well, in some places it's already here, and in other places you need to, you need to get ready for it, uh, especially in the DoD where IPv6, at least in the backbone, has been mandated for 2008. Uh, so I've been trying to wrap my head around what IPv6 looks like, and I've decided that it's just, it's just god-awful ugly, uh, not necessarily from the protocol standpoint, but just, for example, looking at the packets in um, T-Speed Dump or something like that. Just the fact that you're looking at 128-bit source and 128-bit destination address, it, it really makes it kind of a pain in, pain in the uh, behind to look at those traffic traces. Uh, as far as Bluetooth goes, uh, while there is Bluetooth support in FreeBSD, I don't have any Bluetooth devices yet. And so my, my m main interest in Bluetooth is from the security standpoint. There's been some work in Linux on uh, certain Linux scanning tools and things like that for Bluetooth, but there doesn't seem to be as much activity in, in BSD. So I'd be interested in uh, hearing what other people are doing and if you've gotten anything to work and you think that's cool. I invited people to post uh, links to anything that they might have gotten working uh, on my most recent blog posting. And I have gotten a few people send me private emails saying that they're going to work on getting certain things, or they're going to try to get certain Bluetooth security tools into the FreeBSD ports tree. Um, and speaking of the ports tree, uh, would you like to hear about a project that should be coming out soon? Sure. Okay. Many of you are probably familiar with Fresh Ports, which is the web interface to the ports tree that uh, Dan uh, Langeo created. And Freshports is, is a really amazing site. I use it for keeping track of just about everything having to do with FreeBSD ports. But 
I was guided recently by a supreme act of laziness when I came up with a new idea. The, the supreme act of laziness was this. I said earlier that I don't like bookmarks. So when I find that there's a tool that I haven't heard of previously, the first thing I do is I check the ports tree. And if the tool is in the ports tree, then that makes it very easy. I go to fresh ports, I find the tool, and since I have an account there, I just add the tool to my watch list ports. So later on I can say, what was that tool that I wanted to use to look at SMB shares or something? Oh, here it is in my list, and I go ahead and I try it out. Well, if there isn't a port, what do you do? Well, the alternative is pretty much to blog it, which is kind of a, a heavy-handed thing, especially if it doesn't work quite well. Uh, by that I mean compiling. As far as, as new tools goes about, I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if there were a site where you could say, hey, this is a new tool, it looks cool, would somebody be interested in adding it to the ports tree? And so the idea was, let's call this thing um, port request. And so the idea is you go to this website, you say, uh, here is the name of this tool, here's our URL for it, maybe here's the author's name, maybe here's the license that it was uh, written under, does it compile under FreeBSD? Does it compile? Right now it's FreeBSD we're looking at, but maybe in the future for other operating systems, does it compile on NetBSD or whatever? And then you submit it. And so people who are interested in writing new ports can look at this port request site and say, oh, look, there's someone uh, submitted this new tool called, you know, I don't know what it, what it might be, NetDisco or something like that. That looks like a good tool. I, that should be in the FreeBSD ports tree. And as a port writer, I have enough skill to make that happen. Um, and port request also supports adding in um, comments. So if you see a port that's been requested, you can pile on and say, yeah, I like that, and other people can say it. So someone who might want to write a port will be able to look at it and say, yeah, there's a lot of people interested in writing that or having a port to this. So uh, I thought about this, and I thought, well, this is cool, but I really don't know how to do this. I don't have, this, I don't have the skills to create this system. Um, so I went to the guys at the New York City BSD Users Group, and I said, I have this idea. I know you guys maintain a lot of BSD resources, uh, one of which is the, the dmessaged uh, site, and it's, it's part of NiceBug. Just go to nycbug.org. And what you can do, what you can do with, with the dmessaged is you can upload dmessage output. So let's say you get BSD working on some exotic hardware. You can get it running, take your dmessage output, post it up on the NiceBug site. So I went to these guys and I said, would you be interested in this port request idea? And one of the guys there, Michael, said, oh yeah, I'll do it right now. And he basically right then started writing port request. So there's a, there's a beta version now that's not publicly available that we're testing. But uh, I would say probably by BSD can, uh, it, this, this site called port request is going to be working. And I've, I went ahead and purchased the portrequest.org uh, domain name. So my, my goal is just to have portrequest.org um, forward to the appropriate page at NiceBug. So it'll um, just be easy for people to get to. So I'd like to thank the NiceBug guys uh, for that, and uh, Michael especially over there for, for putting this together basically on his own time uh, and just taking re uh, requests from me and, and answering my, my, lazy, my laziness. <laughs> yeah, they're a great users group. They've got lots of really interesting talks that happen quite frequently. Yeah, they're yeah. almost a good enough reason to live in New York City. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because they're <laughs> they have so many good speakers, and they're always they're, they're a really dynamic group. But uh, uh, I like living in the DC area, so I'll have to stay here. 
How did you get interested in BSD, or you know, when was your first exposure to it? I, f I first started using FreeBSD in 2000. I heard about it, I believe, in 1999. I, someone gave me a, a FreeBSD 3.2 install CD, and I looked at it and I said, what is this? I, I, I was familiar with Linux, and I had been using Linux for a little while, but um, BSD was pretty foreign to me. The, the organization I was with at that time was the Air Force Computer Emergency Response Team in San Antonio, Texas. I was a, a captain in the Air Force, and the unit, the, the AFCERT, was looking at a new platform for building their sensors. And there were several people who said, we really need to use FreeBSD because of its, its uh, solid network stack and a couple other reasons. So I thought, well, geez, I need to learn more about this because if, I, if there are these people in this, this unit that I really respect that are so interested in FreeBSD, I should probably figure out what it is. Um, I didn't really do anything with it, though, until early 2000. So I guess it's been about six years now. But I started by, uh, I think I installed FreeBSD 4.1 was the first one I tried. And I really didn't go production with any real um, serious uh, deployment of systems until 4.2 came out. And when I, by that time, it was early 2001, and I had moved to, uh, I leave, left the military, and I had uh, become a, uh, uh, I guess you'd say a senior security engineer at a company that was offering managed security services. And we were looking for a platform to build our sensors. And so we decided to run uh, FreeBSD 4.2. And uh, to this day, I've built all my systems on FreeBSD. Or I should say, all, all my sensors on FreeBSD. That's great. Well, I want to thank you for speaking with us today. It's been really interesting. Sure. You're welcome. And uh, I appreciate you inviting me to talk in your, your, uh, your podcast. And I invite people to keep checking into BSD Talk. I, I've just perusing who you've got there. There's some people that I'd like to listen to myself. So uh, uh, thanks for interviewing people. And uh, I guess if you'd want to hear more from uh, just in terms of not a podcast, but my thoughts on different either BSD or security issues, uh, my blog is uh, taosecurity.blogspot.com. And you can always get there from uh, taosecurity.com as well. Great. Well, thank you. Thanks, Will. If you'd like to leave comments on the BSD Talk website, you can find that at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me email or comments or any sound files for me to play on the next podcast, you can send me email at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening, and this has been BSD Talk number 13.